All right, Proverbs 12, 16. This is the Passion Translation. This is a newer translation that's just come out. Matter of fact, they just translated the New Testament and they're working on the Old Testament. I love this scripture on the context of, I like how it says it, the context of what I'm talking about tonight. It says this, if you shrug off an insult and refuse to take offense, you demonstrate discretion indeed. But the fool has a sharp fuse and will immediately let you know when he's offended. Lord, I just ask you, bless our time in the word. Speak to us and, and through me. Give us the grace to apply it to our lives when we leave here tonight. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. It seems like today, almost everybody is offended. Have you noticed that? It seems like a lot of people get easily offended nowadays. And it's easy to say, yeah, a lot of people out there, Brandon, you're right, get offended. But even in here... Even in the body of Christ, people tend to get easily offended. And the Bible says if you shrug off, just shrug off an insult or refuse to take an offense, it demonstrates you have discretion. It says, but a fool is sharp-fused and immediately lets you know when you're offended. You, you know when somebody's offended right away, right? Some people, are, they sly about an offense. Sometimes you say something about somebody and they just smile and like, okay. And then later, like two days, weeks, or months later, you find out that that person, you offended them. You ever find that out? Some are not, some people though, you know, right away, like their whole eyebrow changes, right? And you know, they, they live there, you know, you know, something's wrong. You know, you said, what did I say? What did I do? You know, right? I was a brother that, uh, I hadn't talked to in a while. And, and honestly, sometimes, cause I don't know, I text him and said, Hey man, I missed you. I hadn't seen you in a while. Did I do anything to offend you? And later he texts back and said, man, no, you hadn't done anything to offend me at all. He started telling me what was going on. And so I said, all right, good. You know, sometimes I just like to check, you know, we're offended so easy sometimes. It can be, because of something someone said on social media. That's a lot of the uh, people get offended. Something you hear on the news, uh, something that's even not even a comment, something that just somebody liked on social media or disliked, you can easily get offended. People get offended uh, for being left out. Why didn't you invite me to that wedding? Why didn't you invite me? He got a little quiet there. Why didn't you invite me to that party? Why well, didn't get invited to that barbecue? Everybody 50 and older, you're invited to this barbecue, okay? May 27, you're invited. Don't be offended. We want everybody, even your friends, they don't have to come to church here. Every one of these events, we want people to come. If you're in that demographic, come on out. People get offended by politics, politicians, by religion, by race, by referees. Come on, sports fans, right? How many of us was offended for the NFC Championship game? We still, some of us still working through that offense, I think. There's a hundred other possible reasons and stumbling blocks of why people get offended. Some, and all of them are legit, all of them are real. But none seem to produce positive change or results. Isn't that right? Matthew eleven six. Jesus said, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Now, he was specifically saying by me, but in general, that still applies, right? Blessed is the person, the one who is not offended. Obviously, if you're blessed by not being offended, I think the opposite is true as well. Listen, our founding pastor that's going to be with the Lord in January, he went to be with the Lord back in January. Brother Francis used to always say, you have to make a choice to be offended. You choose to be offended, right? Those of y'all that have been here a long time, right? He said, offense doesn't just happen. It's not just like, you know, like poison ivy. You don't just catch an offense. You have to choose to be offended. Again, I was, I was with a brother in the hospital visiting his wife and, uh, and we were talking about his wife and I said, so I said, man, look, hey, no offense. I don't mean he, he laughed and he said, hey, man, brother Francis always taught us. You have to choose to be offended. He said, I'm not easily offended, man. You have to choose to be offended. So tonight, I want to just give you a few ways that you can keep yourself from being offended. 
you can keep yourself from being offended. Number one, instead of being offended, trust in your defender. Instead of being offended, trust in your defender. The, the name of this message tonight is refuse to, to, refuse to take offense is the name of this message. Refuse to take offense. There's a, a story in the Bible in Numbers chapter 12 where, uh, um, um, Mary, uh, Moses's brother and sister, uh, begin to be harsh and critical of him. I'm going to just read it real quick. Numbers 12, 1 through 10, it says this. While they were at Hezareth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. They said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? But the Lord heard them. Now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on the earth. So immediately the Lord called to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam and said, go out to the tabernacle, all three of you. So the three of them went to the tabernacle. Then the Lord descended in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron, Aaron and Miriam, he called. They stepped forward. And the Lord said to them, now listen to what I say. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would have revealed myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams, but not with my servant Moses. Of all of my house, he is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? The Lord was very angry with them and he departed. As the cloud moved from above the tabernacle, they stood. There they stood, Miriam, her skin as white as snow from leprosy. See, Moses chose not to defend himself from Aaron and Miriam's attacks about his Kishat wife. He let the Lord be his defender. Isn't that awesome? He could have easily got offended. And, and, and ultimately, there's, there's multiple reasons why they were criticizing him. One, she was a foreigner. Um, but, but I was studying today and saw some scholars say it might have been because it threatened their position and their status with Moses and with Israel. Some people say it's because, you know, they were jealous of maybe the influence that, 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 um, that she had over Moses, whatever the case may be, they begin to criticize him. He could have easily got offended and be like, hey, this is my wife. Listen, I love all of y'all, but if you attack my wife, I'm going to really have to put this into practice, right? If you come against my bride, it's hard not to, uh, you know, not to be, you know, Come to her defense. I know that's part of it. Or, or come to your own defense of why. They probably, why are you, why are you marrying her? Why not? With all these Israelites, why do you want to marry a Cushite? Moses didn't do any of that. He realized that the Lord was his defender. And God did defend him. He struck Miriam with leprosy. You see that? And that's like a couple of weeks ago. You remember I talked about anxiety and how the Lord, you know, leave revenge to the Lord. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will pay. See, if you don't, it, we won't get offended if you know who you're being defended by. It's easier not to get offended when you know the Lord is your defender, right? When anyone falsely accuses or belittles you, they are dealing with a far more powerful adversary than you. Rest assured in who you are. You're a child of God. He's going to defend you. He's going to look after you, right? And listen, don't let somebody else criticizing you, you know, steal your joy. Look, enjoy who you are, who's God made you to be. Enjoy your life, right? Rest assured that you don't need to be defended if you remember and trust in your defender. Amen? That's number one. Number two, ask God to protect your ears and cover your mouth. Ask God to protect your ears and cover your mouth. Listen to what David prayed when he was personally attacked. Psalm 38, 13 and 14 says this. He was being personally attacked. He was saying people were setting traps for him. He said, but I, like a deaf man, hear not. And I am like a dumb man who opens not his mouth. Yes, I have become like a man who hears not. Listen to this. 
in whose mouth are no arguments or replies. You know, just because somebody criticizes you, attacks you, you know, you don't have to reply. This goes back to one. You don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to argue with people. Do you know when they criticized Jesus, Jesus never defended himself? He never argued, he never, you know, he never came against. Even when the, the, the most vile accusations was being made against Jesus, even the, 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 the um, Pharisees would say, aren't you going to reply? Aren't you going to say something? David says, in whose mouth are no arguments are replies. That's a pretty good strategy, huh? Right? I'm not, I'm going to refuse to hear what they're saying, but it's easier said than done, right? <laughs> easier to, for me to stand up here tonight and encourage you to do that, but that's easier said than done. But you know, we, we are so sensitive to what somebody says about us. We can hardly control our tongue when we rapid fire reply. You ever had rapid fire reply to people when they criticize you? Y'all more holy than me. I have. I know I've, I've, re, I've replied in a harsh, in a quick, rapid fire means you respond quickly. You ever hadn't even finished listening to what somebody's saying and you're already responding or replying, right? You ain't even finished their, their sins and you like, no, but, you know, and you, you know, you're just trying to let, let me finish, right? Or you, you think they're going somewhere and you, I mean, again, I don't know about you, but you cut them off or, you know, rapid fire reply. You reply quickly. You know, Look at what James 1.19 says. Understand this. And I love that. He's putting emphasis. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. I'm encouraging you tonight, my brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I think sometimes we get offended because we didn't really listen to what somebody's saying. We didn't really understand what they were trying to say. So we get offended or we get angry. We misunderstood what they were trying to say and ultimately we get offended. That's why it says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry, right? You know, when we get offended, we usually always get angry, get angry, and it doesn't produce what God wants us to produce. Look at James 1.20. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Human anger because, right, when you're offended, usually that's like a very close cousin to anger, correct? Usually when you get offended, it's not a good feeling. You're not, you know, it's, you're usually pretty, you're pretty upset. You're pretty angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So number two, ask God to protect your ears and cover your mouth. Now we have to make a decision, but everything, anytime I, we encourage y'all to do something, of course, I'm not asking you to do it in your own strength. Ask the Lord to help you with this. When David prayed that I'm like a deaf mute man, most translations say I'm like a deaf mute man. I can't hear or speak. No replies and no arguments. Obviously, we need the Lord to help us to do this, right? Number three, ask God to give you meekness. Ask God to give you meekness. What is meekness? We'll look at that in a minute. But both Christ and Moses modeled the quality of meekness. Though Jesus Christ was viciously and continuously attacked, he said of himself in, in Matthew eleven twenty nine, he says, I am meek and humble in heart. So he was, of course, he was criticized. He was, people said he had a demon. People said all kind of, well, is this, you know, this is just, uh, you know, Mary's son and, and, and Joseph's, uh, Joseph and Mary's son. And we know his brothers and sisters always criticize him. He said, I am meek and humble. I'm explaining what that means. But I'll say this, the divine meekness and gentleness, it's a quality of wisdom. Remember where we started at in Proverbs where he said that those um, uh, that uh, refuse to get offended, 
show discretion. Discretion and wisdom go hand in hand. It's when you, you're, you're walking in meekness and humility, it's a sign of wisdom. I always thought this was kind of interesting and a little humorous, this next scripture. Right after Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses, he wrote this. Most Bible scholars believe that Moses wrote the, the book of Numbers. So Numbers 12, 3 says, Now the man Moses was very meek, gentle, kind, and humble, are above all the men on the face of the earth. I always thought that was interesting because if like people today say, like, you know what, man, I'm the most humble person there is. That's kind of a contradiction. You know, you kind of think like, by you saying that, you know, shows that you're not that humble, right? But I don't know. But but in the context, I understand it a little bit better now, right? He was getting attacked by his own brother and sister. And he was saying, listen, he was, he was the most meek person. So what is meekness? Let me explain it. Meekness can be defined as controlled strength. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is actually defined controlled strength. Like if your pride gets hurt, usually that's why we get offended too, by the way. We can unleash our strength in return and not venom. Not an argument, not another sharp word, not something harsh and hard to cut, you know, somebody. The Bible says don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good, right? So meekness is, is, is controlled strength. You know, I, I've said this before. We know Jesus was not weak, right? He was meek, but not weak. And I used the example, and I heard, you probably heard me talk about this, but when I heard this illustration, there was a, a gentleman, a uh, minister that ministered to bikers, and he was explaining to these big, I mean, rough and tough biker guys how Jesus was a man's man. And he had these little tracks. They were like little coins. He had these tracks laid out on like a I don't, like a, a folding table, say six, eight-foot folding table, and he had them in the front where he was speaking. And uh, as he was talking about Jesus wasn't weak, he went up to the table and he he overturned the table, and I mean, that table flipped over like three foot in the air all over, man. Coins went everywhere. These bikers were kind of taken back. And he said, think about that. He said, if you had a business and you were dealing with your money and this and that, and a man walked up to your business that you never met before and flipped over your table, what would you do? You know, of course, all those bikers are like, man, I would, you know, fill in the blank, right? He said, this is exactly what Jesus did in the temple when, whenever the money changes were exchanging. He said, Jesus did that and nobody touched him. Jesus wasn't weak, right? Think about that. I don't think we, we stop and look at the context of that. Jesus wasn't weak, but at the same time, he wasn't proud. He wasn't, it says he was meek and humble in heart. This is a better way to explain meekness. The word meekness actually shows the picture. It's a term used of a powerful wild stallion that has been broken and bridled. Now he can win races and win wars, right? We know the strength of a stallion. I said Sunday too, you know, we would just, you know, we went to Virginia a couple of weeks ago and my, me and my daughters all rode on horses and I had this big, you know, giraffe horse. But you know, you've, you've ridden horses, you've seen, especially stallion, the strength of these animals. What meekness means is that whenever you break a horse, it's, it, does, does it lose its strength? No. It's still as powerful as it always was. A big, strong, powerful animal. But now that, that, that strength is harnessed to where it can, Go to races or in the day go to war, right? That's the picture of meekness. It's harnessed power. So one of the ways to keep from getting offended is to ask God, Lord, help me to be meek. Help me to, to, to harness the power. And we know the power we have comes from the Holy Spirit, right? So let's tie these together. The power we have is from the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that one of the fruits of the Spirit is what? Self-control. 
So if we ask the Holy Spirit to give us that meekness, he's asking us to help us to, with the power we have to harness that, keep it under control to be meek, to be humble, to refuse to, to, to lash back out. Remember the Lord defends us. And the fourth and final thing, ask the Lord, and this is all about perspective, ask the Lord to give you a love for your offenders. Those people that offend you or that you want to be offended by, ask the Lord to give you love for them. On the cross, Jesus prayed for his offenders. In Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. From the stoning pit where Stephen was getting stoned, he was literally dying. Stephen prayed this prayer in Acts 7, uh, 60. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, char don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. His last words was, he's being stoned for preaching the gospel. This is the context of this. If you're not familiar with Acts chapter 7. He's getting stoned because he's preaching the gospel. He's doing miracles. He speaks to the religious people uh, and, and telling him about what the Lord's doing. And they're stoning him to death for serving the Lord. He didn't do anything wrong. He's doing everything right. And he could have been calling down fire from heaven and judgment uh, from God down on these people that are literally killing him. His last words was, don't charge him with this sin. Isn't that amazing? He had a perspective in his love. He could have easily been more than offended at these men that were viciously killing him. But instead, he prayed that the Lord would charge him for this. Isn't that powerful? You know, we struggle to get over, so to speak, when someone does something to offend us. But let me say this. God's love is greater than your enemy's hate. Let me say that again. God's love is greater than your offender's hate. No matter how much somebody hates you, tries to defame you, tries to break you down, tries to criticize you, whatever, tries to, to smear your reputation, all of that and everything in between, God's love is greater than their hate. It's a matter of perspective. Ask God to put his love in you for anyone that would offend you. God feels pity and compassion for his enemies who, like Saul, even killing Christians, the Lord had compassion. You remember Saul, before he was the apostle Paul, was killing Christians, dragging them out of their homes, and God had compassion on him. He, he, he encountered him and saved them, even in the midst of his hate. Pray for your offenders by name. When somebody does something and you have the temptation to get offended, pray for him. Pray for him. Pray for him by name. Ask God to touch him. Ask God to soften their heart. Because we always say this, hurt people hurt people and are easily hurt by people. Guess what? People that offend you have probably been greatly offended. They've been hurt. They've been offended. And so they lash out at others and they want to go around. And whether knowingly or not, I know I offend people sometimes. I don't even know. I'm not trying to do it. Other people are, are purposely trying to be, you know, uh, uh, wicked or whatnot. But ask the Lord to give you a love for your offenders. Amen. So as we close and I'll, I'll wrap it up, let, let's, let's get started moving past that offense, whatever it is. Maybe you, maybe you have an offense tonight. Maybe you've chosen, maybe you didn't know that. Sometimes it's just an emotion that comes up. You're like, well, no, I didn't, I didn't choose that. But remember, as brother Francis said, you have to choose to be offended. It's not just like a, again, like something you catch, something that bit you, right? You have to choose. You can, because what happens is you can feel the emotions Rolling, rolling up in you, you get upset, you get hurt, you get mad. But in these moments, I'm giving you just four simple things tonight to do. Okay, remember, I don't have to defend myself. God's my defender, right? Okay, I, I, I need to remember, cover my ears, Lord, help me cover my mouth. I got 101 things I want to say right now, but Lord, help me not to say any of them, right? 
Lord, help me to be meek. Help me to walk through this, this strength. You know, it, 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 it takes way more strength to restrain yourself and not retaliate than it does to just pop off and retaliate and, and take revenge on that person, right? And then ask the Lord to give you love for your offenders. Put that offense in your rear view mirror. Ask God to help you to do it. Again, you have to choose to be offended. So I, I wanted to have communion at the end, and I'm going to read. I'm going to read these scriptures. If you want to get your 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 cup and uh, ready, First Corinthians eleven twenty three and twenty six says this: For I pass on to you. This was the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, "I pass on to you what I received from the Lord Himself. On the night when He was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then He broke it in pieces and said, "This is my body, which is given for you." Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So you see, before we eat, before we eat the bread or we drink, if you haven't eaten already, Communion is a sacrament for believers. It's to remember what the Lord Jesus did on the cross for us. And he also said not only is it to remember what he did, but it's also to, um, it announces that he's coming back again. Amen? So what did Jesus do? Jesus died on the cross for our sins and our place. The Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard and being offended, holding on to the offense, our bitterness, our unforgiveness, refusing to, that's a sin. And there's a lot of others, of course. We've all fall short. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So what does all of that mean? We've all sinned, sin cost. It, 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 we have to pay the price of sin. Without Jesus, the price would be eternity separated from God. But Jesus came down in human form. God, fully God in human form, died on the cross. He took the place for our sins. Just like if you went to the court of law and you had a, a crime you committed, you had a fine you had to pay, millions of dollars, and you said, there's no way I can pay that. You walked in, somebody walked in that you never met before and says, hold on, judge, before you sentence him uh, or make him pay, I want to pay. I want to write the check and clear his, his debt that he has to society. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. We broke God's laws, and Jesus paid the price for it. Do me a favor. Go ahead and bow your head with me and close your eyes. And before we take communion, I want to make sure everybody in here are believers. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The word believe means to trust. Those of you that have been here a long time, you've heard me say this. I think it's the best illustration. The word believe is to trust like you would trust a parachute to save your life if you would be jumping out of a plane. Tonight, before we take communion, because I because this really is, it's for, it's for believers. I want to make sure. If you say, Brandon, you know, I don't know if I'm right with the Lord. I don't know if I've ever... Been, Ask God to forgive me of my sins if I've given my life to Christ. You know, we just prayed for a couple of families just this week, last week. People have, have, have passed away, have gone. Just recently, in just the last week, two different people have gotten hit on bikes and have perished. Riding their bike down the street to get hit by a car. Man, that shows us none of us are promised tomorrow. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you say, Brandon, you know, I'm not sure I'm right with God. I don't know that if, you know, this was my last night on this earth, where I'd spend my eternity. 
but I want to spend it with the Lord. I want to make sure I'm right before I take communion. If that's you, and you say, Brandon, just, would you pray for me? I just want you to slip up your hand. Nobody's looking around. I just want you to slip up your hand. I see your hand right here in the middle. I see your hand, sir, in the back. Anybody else? Anyone else? Say, man, I need, ma'am, I see your hand here in the front. Two ladies right here. Thank y'all. Anybody else? Hands going up. Thank you, Jesus. Well, come on. The Bible makes it clear. Thank y'all for being so bold tonight. The Bible makes it clear, sir. I see your hand right here. That if you believe in your heart, again, as that word believe and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Now the tra- uh, scripture says, repent of your sins, turn away and trust in God and you'll be saved. So let's pray together. I'm going to leave you in a simple prayer and the rest of the church, we're going to all pray this together. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for taking my place. Thank you for willingly being beaten and bruised and broken for me. Thank you for pouring out your rich blood and forgiving me my sins. Lord, I know I've sinned and I ask that you would forgive me. Wash me clean and make me new today. Now give me the grace, Lord, and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Hey, can we give them a round of applause, those of them that made a decision tonight? Hey, God bless y'all. Congratulations. Hey, that's the biggest and best decision you ever make in your life. Now, we still, we're not going to eat yet, okay? Because I want to make sure everybody was believers in here. By the way, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, there's a card in the pew right in front of you. It says, I made a decision. Hey, right when we close, which will be in about three minutes, fill that card out. It takes like 30 seconds. Bring it to the info center or to me or my wife up here. And, and we would love to, to just connect with you guys. We want to pray for y'all, give you a Bible if you don't have one. Uh, so before you leave, don't, don't be sure to do that. So, so to continue to go on, l- listen to this. Verses 27 through 31. This is for everybody now. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That don't sound like something I want. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. You know what I thought about? You know, and there's a lot that goes into that. Whether we would physically die or get sick, you know what I thought going back to this? When we hold an offense, it eats us up inside. Something dies inside of us when we are offended, when we have bitterness and unforgiveness. So look what verse 31 says. But if you examine yourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. So every time we take communion, we do this. He says to examine yourself. That means many ways. Examine, make sure you don't have any sin in your life, but maybe that you don't have any unforgiveness in your life. And going back to what we talked about tonight, make sure you don't have any offense in your heart. So let's take a minute to do that before we take the bread and the cup. After talking about this tonight, maybe as I was speaking just a few minutes ago, the Lord brought something to your attention maybe that you've been offended with somebody. Are you holding on to an offense? If you know that and who it is, let that go tonight. Ask the Lord to forgive you and just release it. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry for being offended. I'm sorry for holding this event offense. I repent, I ask you forgive me, and I release, and just name that person. I release this person and what they've done for, to me. And maybe you have something else that you need to examine, maybe a sin or something you know you've been holding on to. Come on, let's just make it, let's get it clear before the Lord now. And let's just ask him to forgive us. Come on, I'm going to pray with you together. Father, I just ask 
Lord, if there's any sin in my heart, known or unknown, I ask that you would forgive me, Lord. Lord, I don't want to be easily offended. I want to guard myself. I I think we're all making it a point to refuse to be offended tonight. So, Lord, I just ask you would examine us, show us. We repent of our sins. We want to be, like God, in, in the right standing and right heart as we remember what you did for us on the cross. We thank you for your body that was broken and bruised for us. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's eat together. Lord, we thank you for your blood. Your bird says that even though our sins was as red as crimson, you've washed us as white as snow. Lord, I believe and I'm thankful for all those that just gave their life to you tonight and have been forgiven and washed clean and prepared for eternity. For the rest of us, we remember the great and wonderful work of the cross, the blood of Calvary that has sealed, as you said, the, the everlasting new covenant. You sealed it with your blood. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for healing us and setting us free. In Jesus' name, let's drink together. Amen. And amen. Hey, why don't you go ahead and stand up with me? Let me just pray a blessing over you as you go tonight. Father, I thank you for all of my brothers and sisters here tonight. Thank you for what you've done in this place, what you're doing, what you're going to do for the souls that got saved, people that got healed the refreshing and the outpouring of your spirit tonight. Be with everyone as they go. Bless them and keep them. May your face shine upon them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless y'all. We love you guys. Good to be with y'all this evening. Drive safe. Hey, if you've given your life to Christ, you need prayer for anything else, we'll be up here. See you soon.